It's Tuesday, February 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me today, Jason Moser in the house. Good to see you. Howdy. How are you? I'm doing all right. We've got uh, we got a bunch of things to get to. We've got auto sales. We've got tech earnings. We're going to start with healthcare. Fourth quarter profits for CVS Health came in higher than expected. Foot traffic is down in the stores, which is to be expected, but pharmacy sales are up. CVS is doing COVID-19 testing as well as vaccines. Uh, it's it, you know, it seems like this was a pretty solid quarter. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you look at when you look at CVS, this hasn't been the greatest investment over the past several years. I wonder though if we won't see going forward perhaps some goodwill and some brand equity come from all of this uh, stuff that, that, that's coming with the pandemic. Because I think CVS ultimately is being seen as a part of the solution here, right? I mean, they've they've been selected as one of the national partners for the Federal Pharmacy Partnership Program, and that's ultimately. Uh, what is behind the Biden administration's plan to vaccinate 300 million Americans by the end of the summer? Lofty goal, no doubt about it. But man, I think when it comes to something like that, you got to go big, right? Um, they've they've been they've been a, a central part of the of vaccines in regard to the uh, the 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 long term care homes, and and so I think all together, understanding the challenges that the company has seen over the past. Year or so, but also seeing the transformation that it's having to make. Right, we've talked about these um, the, the, these businesses, whether it's CVS or Walgreens, for example. They're really trying to become more healthcare centers. Right, they're trying to make that step beyond just being a retailer and and, and going more towards being a, a full care provider. That was part of what was behind the Aetna acquisition. Uh, that's part of what is behind all of the virtual healthcare investments um, and in healthcare center type investments that they're making. So, revenue uh, growth, 4%, you know, nothing nothing to sneer at. Um, operating income was down uh, over 20%. That was due to pandemic expenses, uh, reimbursement pressure. We know, obviously, this is a business that's very leveraged to the pharmaceutical industry. But all things considered, uh, the three segments of the business Put together seem like they performed pretty well in a difficult time. And again, I think I think the path going forward, these guys are going to be pretty busy here in the coming year and beyond. So that that should work out well for them, I think. Yeah, unlike uh, some other stocks that we've seen over the past year, CVS Health as a stock is basically flat. Yeah. Um, you, you combine that with the fact that there's a new CEO in Karen Lynch, uh, who just took over a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't know. It, it it seems like you could have worse entry points for a, a really strong brand in the healthcare space. It feels like it, and and I think that we're really seeing we're really seeing CVS and Walgreen sort of sort of rise to the surface here, rising to the top, and and being really the two the two national drugstore chain drugstore providers that, that that stand to to do well here in the coming years. I, I don't think this is an industry that is. Um, that's on the way out. I think it's just it's an industry that's in it's in a state of of true evolution. And and again, I mean, we we saw several years back even the relationship that CBS formed with Teladoc Health early on in order to offer those virtual care services. Now they have minute clinics, they have health hubs, they have telemedicine offerings. Um, in an interesting uh, test that they're just running out here now, they rolled out their first virtual first primary care offering to one of its biggest customers. This is a stint, I mean this this is something that's going to continue. And and again, this is in line with that relationship that they have with Teladoc Health, Teladoc making this big push to 
build out a new primary care virtual uh, style offering there. So it just it seems like we're at we're at a point where the healthcare landscape is shifting. We have a growing population and growing demand, a limited supply, and so CVS is turning to technology uh, to help alleviate that supply crimp, really, and, and, and help scale healthcare, which I think is one of the biggest challenges. So, so longer term, it seems like there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Siva is in the business of licensing wireless connectivity and smart sensing technologies. And Siva's fourth quarter must have been fantastic because shares are up 13% and hitting a new high. Walk me through this, because this is a company I'm pretty unfamiliar with. They have a royalty model in terms of how they generate revenue? Yeah, yeah. This is this is a cool little company. And I mean, you can't find many real small caps in the tech space today, but this is really a, a genuine small cap still. Uh, but but maybe maybe that doesn't last for long. I was going to say, a few more days like this, it's not going to be a small cap for much longer. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, for investors, that, that works out well and we'll feel good about that. Uh, but but yeah, they operate a licensing and royalty business model. And so ultimately, they 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 possess all of this intellectual property, right? We talk about the value of IP and, and all sorts of different businesses and technologies, no exception. And and so this is a licensing and royalty business model where they own this portfolio of intellectual property uh, that serves primarily the semiconductor industry, but but tech in general. And so the technology that they license helps enable all sorts of cool applications, including AR and VR and uh, Internet of Things, robotics, all sorts of things there. And so uh, it, it, again, a small company, but one that is really starting to grow by virtue of the deals that they're signing. Revenue was flat for the quarter, but up 15% for the year. They had a big breakthrough uh, through the $100 million annual revenue uh, barrier this this year. So that really shows you how small this company is. I mean, $100 million. Um, they were calling for around $95 million. So they exceeded their own guidance. But a lot of this really centers around new deals that they're signing uh, to license out that technology with a focus on things in Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and IoT as we talk about this rollout for 5G. Uh, plenty of base station technology and IoT, Internet of Things technology opportunity there uh, for the business. It, it contributed uh, about about six six and a half million dollars of, of the overall revenue figure for, for the quarter. That was up 50% from a year ago. So uh, to give you an idea. I've how wide-reaching Siva's technology is for the year. Globally speaking, 1.3 billion, with a B, units shipped with some form of Siva technology in them. That was up 27% from the year ago. So, the basic idea is, as we move towards this age of connectivity and more and more devices, this is a big opportunity for Siva. They had that long tail of, of licensing and then royalty revenue uh, that, that can be very attractive for investors. Sad news this morning from Marriott. CEO Arnie Sorensen died Monday at the age of 62. It was just two weeks ago that the company said he would be temporarily reducing his schedule to undergo a more demanding treatment for pancreatic cancer. And obviously, our thoughts go out to Arnie Sorensen's family and friends. As for Marriott International, Jason, the board of directors says they're going to take the next two weeks to find a new CEO. And I wish them luck because Arnie yeah. Sorensen leaves behind big shoes to fill. He was CEO for almost a decade, oversaw that Starwood acquisition. Um, Marriott's the biggest hotel chain in the world, and oh by the way, um, the stock was you know was outperforming the market when he was in the corner office. Yeah, yeah, you said it perfectly. I think big shoes to fill, indeed, and um, particularly now. 
given given the challenges that they're going to be facing here in the coming years with the shifting uh, travel market, right? I mean, we're seeing the the gig economy, the sharing economy. You've got your Verbos and your Airbnbs that are really starting to take share of of, of vacationers' wallet, and um, it feels like it feels like. Mr. Sorensen was was the. I mean, it feels like he was the guy, right? It feels like he was really the the man with the skill set to lead this company to that next level. And, and unfortunately, you know, time time waits for no one. And and uh, to your point there, the stock was up two hundred eighty three percent during his time as CEO versus the market's one hundred eighty percent. And and that really that's in the face of a very difficult twenty twenty, right? I mean, he he more than doubled the top line numbers for Marriott over his time and then ran into 2020, which was just difficult for virtually everyone in the travel industry uh, in particular, got hit really hard. All things considered, I mean, I think he's put this business in a very good position uh, for whoever takes over. Uh, but, but to your point, yeah, that's going to be a tough act to follow. Shares of Auto Nation are hitting a new high today. Fourth quarter results came in better than expected. And AutoNation also announced a $1 billion share buyback plan. And just to start with that for a second, that look, we've seen plenty of companies come out and announce share buyback plans that are bigger than this. This is a $7 billion company. <laughs> so, just on a percentage yeah. basis, this is a pretty big move for them. It is. I've I've never really looked at auto dealers as some super attractive opportunity, and I think probably more of that is just historically it's not a very pleasant experience, right? I think that you've probably been out and, and bought a vehicle just like I have, and thought, you know what, that could have been better. Um, and, and so you, you look at that and you think, well, all right, maybe that's not exactly where I feel like investing my money. But but we're starting to see some disruption in this space and. The, the big word, I think, over the past couple of years that retailers have, have, have been throwing around more and more is that omni-channel experience, right? I mean, focusing on just being where the customer is, delivering the experience the customer wants, however they may want it. And, and we're starting to see AutoNation really uh, focusing on that, investing a little bit more in their digital presence. Um, maybe AutoNation is a way this industry starts to look here in the future. I, you've got other other concepts out there, Carvana and CarMax, that I'll do a little bit of something different. But, um, I mean, you know, this is a business that does something that, that obviously isn't going out of style anytime soon. They sell cars, and they sell new and used cars. And so, new represents about 52% of overall uh, sales. And, and if you look at cars in general, new and used cars are around 80% of this company's total revenue. So, they have a, a small part side of the business and a small financing side of the business. But really, it's about selling cars. And uh, same-store revenue was up. Five percent from from uh, a year ago. Uh, adjusted earnings very strong, two dollars forty three cents. That was up ninety four percent from a year ago. But there was a charge from an investment in Vroom that they closed out recently, not included in there. So so that adjustment changes that math a little bit. But but to that to that point on the Vroom investment, and and that was a little bit more of that investment in going digital. The Vroom investment worked out really well. Like I mean, they made a lot of money on that investment, but they closed it out because they felt like the relationship wasn't really working out. So their big focus really here at AutoNation, uh, they're they're continuing to build out this AutoNation USA pre-owned store and that's going to be a little bit more of a direct shot at something like a CarMax. But to your point there, I mean they are buying back a lot of stocks. Since 2015, the share count's down 18%, and it sounds like that is going to continue. So, 
hey, I mean, maybe maybe there is in, in, a, in a market where it seems like growth is the only way to invest. Maybe there's a kind of a value style play uh, out there in something like an auto nation today. When I think about the car buying experience, it really does seem like there's a tremendous opportunity, and and maybe it's you know there are others out there, but but the two that leaped in mind are AutoNation and CarMax, and it's basically just how how easy can you make it? Because yeah. consumer car yep. buyers are are so much more informed as a group today than they were. 10, 20, certainly, you know, 25, 30 years ago. So a lot of times when people are looking to buy a vehicle of some sort, they've done their homework. They've certainly done a lot yeah. more homework in general than they were doing <laughs> 20 years ago. And so if you walk onto the lot, particularly in the case of like a, a CarMax or an Auto Nation, where it's like, I've picked out my car. I know exactly where it is. I, you know, I know everything. this is the one I bought. Great. How quickly can you get me out of here? It's, you know, I just think about Geico and the way they just hammer <laughs> that message of 15 minutes can save you 15% or less. It's like at some point, one of these companies is going to figure out how to automate their system or or get it as close to automation as possible that they're going to come out with a marketing campaign that basically says we'll get you out in under an hour and if they can do that that's i mean that's enormous. I mean, yeah, and it feels like it feels like we're definitely headed in that direction with all of the different options available now. I mean, it, 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 e buying is is something like you said, it just didn't exist. It didn't exist years ago, um, and, and now, I mean, it really. I mean, part of the problem when you buy a vehicle, there's like a transparency issue, right? I don't want to go into one. Um, dealership and feel like I'm negotiating a completely different number than I would negotiate at another dealership in the same general area. But it it feels that way. And, and generally speaking, I think it's it's kind of a I, mean, I think it's more or less a correct perception. I think for the most part. So if they can bring transparency to an otherwise less than transparent industry, I mean that could really go a long way. Um, in, in God, I mean, thing, yeah. It, 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 I, I, last time, last new car I bought. I, I mean, I feel like I was there for probably a good, I don't know, three to four hours. I'm like, guys, I'm just trying to pay you money and get this car, <laughs> and it just wasn't easy, <laughs> and it makes me not want to do it ever again. Well, just think about to move away from car buying for a second. Think about how Airbnb and uh, Verbo have um, tweaked their platforms. So that now, as opposed to maybe like four years ago, you know upfront what all the costs are. Because yeah. there was a stretch of time early in those platforms where you would get all the way to the end. You'd go, you'd pick out the place, you'd say, oh, this is how much it is per night. You'd get all the way to the end. And then at the very end, when you're about to click the buy button, they'd be like, oh, by the way, Here's the cleaning charge. Here's the uh, you know here's the state tax that kind of thing. As opposed to now, where they're just like, here it is. It's all up front. Yeah, it's like that Seinfeld where Putty's working the dealership, and like Jerry goes in there, he's his buddy, and he's getting this great price, and then something happens mid deal where the the relationship goes sour, and then Putty starts adding on all these extras and incidentals, you know, spraying the undercarriage and yada yada yada. I mean, it just it, that's what it feels like, and uh, and and hopefully companies like AutoNation will be able to steer us away from that. No pun intended. Um, one thing I did want to note real quickly, and then I'll let I'll, I'll let it die, but. 
uh, it was just interesting to see. Uh, it, we've been talking about SIVA before and technology, and one of the big opportunities that they see in licensing their technology to the automotive space. And it's just worth noting that vehicles now really are just rolling computers and so many chips go into a new vehicle that, that, that just wasn't the case years and years ago. Even AutoNation is seeing inventory uh, supply chain constraints because of this chip so- uh, shortage that we're witnessing right now. This this shortage in the semi-space is playing out in all sorts of different markets, and AutoNation is exposed to it as well. They said that the supply for the foreseeable future is going to be a little bit crimped. I mean, demand is going to outpace supply. Now, that's good for them. I mean, you can hopefully realize a little bit of pricing there, but it's just interesting to note how this is this, this semi-shortage is just it it's, doesn't discriminate. It's hitting all sorts of different markets. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.